Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Listen, I'm really glad you guys decided to join us today here on July 4th weekend, I guess. Well, I guess that's what it is, right? It's, it's the holiday or whatever. How many of y'all got to work tomorrow but y'all Tuesday? That's messed up. <laughs> you need to talk to your boss. <laughs> like, bro, you can't give me one extra day. Uh, really, we're glad you're here, man. We're right in the middle of summer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, an, it's just such an honor to be able to come to a place where we just get to be who we are. You ain't got to put on no mask or pretend to be something you're not or come in here and try to convince me or anyone else that you are someone that you ain't, you know? Um, when I first started in church, I was 21 years old, and we went to this little country church, this little Baptist church, and um, it, it, this place reminds me of it because it was, it was somewhat like that. We were like one of the only Baptist churches where women wore pants. Like, I, you laugh, but I mean, like our ladies wore pants and you weren't going to tell them no different. And I can remember early on in Christianity, we would go to these other churches to sing with a choir. Yes, I sang in a choir. And, uh, you know, we would go for revivals and stuff like that. And just how rigid and stiff religion is in the southeast because I wasn't exposed to it until after I was grown and I just didn't ever really understand why there had to be so many stringent man-made rules on what happens in the house of God I like the biblical principles better and a lot of that stuff is just stuff that people made up because it fits a preference and checks a box. And I'm so glad that we get to be in a place here together today where it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you got on, how much money you got. That we're all here for a common goal and a common purpose, and that is to give Jesus honor and glory and praise. I am going to do my best today to communicate a thought to you on fear. I've got a few points. If you've got a Bible... Or look it up on your phone, it'll be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Verse 10. While you're getting there, fear is the one unspoken thing that holds back most people in this room. It's true. I read an article the other day about, hey, we should turn the lights back on in church. All of our worship environments are dark. The light, we turn the lights out so y'all feel comfortable. Because most of y'all scared during worship. Like the Holy Spirit's like, raise your hand. Worship. Let it go. And you're like, but the lights are on. I'm going to make a petition. Hey, um, somebody do me a favor. I know I said just turn the lights on, but let's turn the middle lights off so that the fan ain't, I'm going to have a seizure up in here. He done got the Holy Ghost. That's, that's messing with my eyes right now. She's talking about jumping out of planes, and we got a strobe light in the middle of the room. Praise God. It's different up in her. Y'all first-timers like, I don't know if I want to come back or not. Boy, shoot. These folks is wild. 
Fear is what holds a lot of people back in this room. It's literally holding some of you hostage right now because you're still trying to figure out what's going on. You're still trying to figure out what all this is about. Um, it's a thing that we don't like to talk about most of the time, but everybody in here deals with it. Like everybody in here deals with fear, and I'm not talking about the simple stuff. Like if you know me, obviously from the last five minutes, you know that I don't like heights. I also don't like snakes, but I'm not talking about simple stuff. I'm not talking about physical stuff. I'm not talking about the type of stuff that you can see, you can touch or experience with any of your senses. I'm talking about spiritual things. You see, most of us are so dense and we're so unlearned because we just come to church and we eat off a spoon from a preacher that we don't have a full understanding of the spiritual things. So they frighten us. And that's where you get most of those preferences and man-made ideas and rules. What would happen if you and I got past the fear of the spiritual things? What if we got a full understanding of who we are in Christ today and we were able to leave this place just a little bit differently than what we came in? Because let me tell you something, fear won't only limit you in this room, it's going to limit you outside of this room. It's literally going to create boundary lines in your life where God wants to create breakthrough. And your unwillingness to move because of fear is what will always keep you in the situation and the place that you so desperately want to escape from. So let's dive into this scripture real quick. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear simply means to be afraid. It's created when we perceive a threat or a danger. He says in verse 10, he says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Did you know that when you get scared and you experience fear, there's a part of your brain that gets activated? There's a part of your brain that gets activated called the amygdala. I think I said that right. It looks weird on paper, y'all. It's spelled like, like it's a different language. But what happens is, is that part of your brain, it institutes this thing inside of you called fight or flight. How many of y'all run? I ain't running unless I got to. I'm going to be 42 years old in a couple days. You're going to have to be a pretty bad dude for me to run from you. You know what I'm saying? It instigates fight or flight. As Christians, the only place we're ever supposed to run is to the Father. And we're supposed to fight. We're supposed to be willing to engage the enemy on every avenue, at every corner, on every street, and in every place. But most of us run because we don't understand. We don't understand our power. We don't understand the significance of the spiritual aspects of our life. And we go into flight mode. I'll give you a good example. There was such a sweet spirit in here during worship. And I can hear people singing. And I can see people in my peripheral raising their hands in worship. But I know that a few rows back, there's people that got their hands in their pockets, but they want to have them in the air. That's flight. Instead of fight, you chose flight. Because fear spoke up and said, you know what? You're not good enough. You don't deserve that. You don't, you, you don't really mean that. Think about it like this. Everyone's afraid of something. It's a natural response or a feeling for everyone. And he says, fear thou not. He starts by saying, fear thou not. So I want to talk to you about a couple fears today. I think I've got five of them. The first one is abandonment. The fear of abandonment. Now think about this. What is abandonment? Everybody has their own version of it, Right? Abandonment's attached to something or someone leaving. Someone or something leaving. It can look and feel like loss, but they're not the same. They're not the same. 
Because loss is more of a natural occurrence, but abandonment is when one operates in free will. Willingly turning away or discontinuing. Anywhere or anytime we invest in a relationship with other people, abandonment can always be a very real and present fear. The last person left, what's going to keep this person from leaving? The last relationship didn't work out. Why should this one work out? And we go into these connections and these relationships with this thing attached to us. We have this fear of abandonment, and it limits our relationships. And here's here's what it really does. It doesn't just limit your ability to interact and live with other people. It, 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 It limits your ability to interact and live with God. Because you have this fear based off human relationships that God's going to ultimately abandon you. You have this fear that he's going to leave you. Isaiah says, I am with you. He says, fear thou not, I am with you. He combats abandonment with an internal promise from the Father. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rehearses this statement to the disciples right before he ascends into heaven. He gives them the Great Commission, and then he puts a tagline, a hashtag on the bottom of it, and he says, lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. you got to think about these guys' situation. They lived with Jesus for three and a half years. They've seen everything that Jesus did. They experienced, they performed miracles themselves. He gave them power. Then they watched him be brutally crucified, buried in a tomb, only to think that somebody stole his body when they came running and said, hey, he's not there. And then they meet the resurrected, glorified Christ. And then he says, look, I'm, i got to go. Right before he ascends to heaven. He says, go do this and know that I am always with you, even until the end of the world. Think about this for just a second. The Lord is always near to those people who have a broken heart. That's scriptural. Think about what David said in the 23rd Psalm. Think about what he said. He said, lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Abandonment is when we feel like we have to do this on our own all by ourselves, And that's where the limitations come in. Because you can only do so much. You're a bit, you, you could have all the ability in the world, and trust me, humans have a lot of ability. We built the Tower of Babel. We built skyscrapers all over the country. We've built a society and a culture and all these other things, and we've also messed it up. Our ability can do a lot. But when we solely rely on our own ability, we limit ourselves. Because this life we live as Christians is not just about the physical realm, it's about the spiritual realm. How many of you got people that you've been praying for, for years? You got somebody you've been praying for for years. And you know, a temptation will rise in sometimes when that prayer doesn't get answered, that God don't care. That God ain't listening. That God's not present. Maybe God left. Did you know that your enemy... Your enemy has a real slick skill that he uses to keep you in a state of fear of abandonment. He will use truth to disguise a lie. Let me explain. When Satan tempted Jesus, what did he use to tempt Jesus? Anybody know? Go to Bible class with me today? Some of you know and you're not going to say it because you're afraid. He used Scripture. He used Scripture. Every temptation had a Scripture attached to it. You see, some of you are fighting battles right now, and you can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie. You can't tell the difference between what's God and what's not God. And it's got you paralyzed in a state because you're afraid if you make the wrong decision or you take a step, you're going to get left behind. You're going to be abandoned. 
So I'd encourage you, hold on to this first part of this. He says, I am with you. God resolves our fear of abandonment because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Regardless of what may have happened to you in a human relationship, God never leaves. God keeps his promises. When God says something, he means it. So why do we keep basing our relationships on what other people say instead of what God says? The second one's fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Rejection makes you feel dismissed. You ever been dismissed? I have. I'll tell you a story. When I first got into ministry, like I said, we were part of this little church and we were around all these other churches and stuff like that and we had fellowship. And I've always kind of looked this way. Like I hadn't changed much in 20 years. So I always kind of look this way. And I know I don't look like the most inviting person, the most friendly person, the most loving and caring and nurturing person. But there's something that someone can do that makes all of that go to a million. We were at this church and it, we were doing something. I don't remember what we were doing. We'd always go sing and then everybody would eat. And Like the first five years I was in ministry, I went from like 160 pounds to 260 pounds because we ate like all the time. And it was good. Lord said it was good. Uh, but anyways, we were, we were, we were at this, this Baptist church, and um, there were all these young preachers there. Well, I was a young preacher myself in my early 20s. They all had on suits and ties. Looked like they was about to sell me a life insurance policy. And my pastor wanted to introduce me to these young preachers. Now, granted... This is how I look. So we go up to meet these young preachers. I got to get up here where y'all can see this. And he introduced me. He says, this is Brother Jeff. Da-da-da-da-da. And I said, hey, fellas, what's up? And homeboy said, <laughs> and my flesh went, I'm saved about five seconds. I will knock that cheap suit off your body. I, it don't matter. But I got dismissed in a moment because of the way I looked. That's a real thing, man. Fear of rejection is a real thing. It is. Fear of rejection will keep you from going to places God wants to send you. It will. It will. It messes with your self-worth, your self-value, and your self-esteem when you feel rejected. Like, it just made me mad in the moment. Like, he just don't even know, boy, I was about to diamond cut him. I didn't watch way too much WWF, boy. The enemy uses this feeling to keep you stuck. And here's the deal. When you get stuck, what you forget is, is the enemy traps you inside of a jail cell, but the door's open and you're not willing to leave. Because in Christ, you've been set free. You willingly go back in that cell and sit down. You willingly stay there. And it's fear that keeps you there. And the fear of rejection will keep you from going to the places that God wants to send you. It's always viewed through the lens of acceptance of others. How many of you have done something because you wanted other people to like you? I started wearing suits after that. Them big old, them big old, them big old baggy suits too. Got them big old legs on them. I probably got one or two of them still in the closet. I put them on every once in a while. I'm like, well, I'm about to go sell some insurance. You know? Can I tell you something? We don't pick our people. We don't. 
You don't pick your people. You don't pick your circle. You don't pick your tribe. It picks you. Because it's based on common interest and common ground. Did, did, did you know that you truly didn't pick Jesus? He picked you. That's right. The relationship that you have with people are based on common interest and common ground. Y'all got something in common. And that's what creates connection. When you get past the fear of rejection, you step outside of the common aspects. Because when you get over the fear of rejection, you start working in uncommon things. Because when you're a Christian who has overcome the fear of rejection, you step into environments that you're uncomfortable in. And you do that because you have a hope, a faith, and a belief that Christ sent you there, He's going to sustain you there, and someone's going to get saved there. But the fear of rejection is going to keep most of you exactly where you're at. He said, don't be afraid to be rejected. Don't, don't, don't be afraid of being dismissed. He said, I am your God. I don't know how much more reassurance we need. He said, I'm with you. Don't worry about me leaving. And I'm your God. Don't worry about being rejected. Because the only acceptance that you ever truly need that counts in eternity is the acceptance you have in my son Christ. Did you know that God can give you favor with people? Favor with people. We're accepted because the Son was accepted. We have favor with God based on the finished work of Christ and our faith in Him. And when we put our full faith and assurance in that, we can go into places where we might be afraid to be rejected, but actually be received. Actually be received. Did you know that the disciples in the first century when they established the church were rejected? We read the book of Acts and we see this explosion of the church with thousands of people getting saved, but the people who actually made decisions and actually executed the law did not receive that. They rejected it. They, they arrested Peter and John. They, they beat them with rods. They told them, hey, don't ever, don't ever go out here talking about this Jesus anymore. And because they didn't have the fear of rejection, what happened? Fast forward 2,000 plus years, here we sit. Here we are. Here you are. And the gospel of Christ is still declared. It's still preached. We live so much of our lives focused on the acceptance of others when if we truly learn to own the acceptance of Christ, our lives aren't dictated by others. Where we go and what we do isn't dictated by what someone else thinks. That's what we call boldness. When you're bold. The third fear is the fear of weakness. This is the, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. It's, it's a blanket statement for feeling weak or incapable. Like, and you'll wrestle with that within yourself most of the time. And if you're really comfortable with someone, you might verbalize it to them. It's like, hey, I just, I can't do this. I don't know why they want me to do this. I can't, I can't do that. The fear of weakness is what we allow to limit the working of God in our lives. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Reality check. We're all weak. We are all weak. Every person in this room is weak. That's true. Everybody has weaknesses. When we own that and we don't allow that fear to control us, we understand that his strength is perfected through that weakness. 
and that we can praise him through that weakness. We can raise our hands. We don't have to keep them in our pockets. We can shout. We can clap. We can do all of those things because we understand that he chose us despite our weaknesses so that he could perfect his strength through us. Think about that for just a second. Like, like we have limitations, and God knows those things about us, but he also chose, he also chose to display his strength through our weakness. It's not something to be afraid of. It's actually an opportunity to exercise and grow your faith. But fear will keep that growth from happening. It'll keep that growth from happening. The fear of weakness says, I can't do this. But God says, I will strengthen you. Where your ability lacks, my ability makes up the difference. Where you feel like you can't, I know I can. And when we put our faith, our trust, and our hope in that, we obliterate that fear. The fear of failure. This is what limits most people in this room. Especially in your spiritual life. Everyone's afraid of messing it up. Like some of you have this idea of God in your mind that He's up in heaven in this giant throne room and He's got His arms crossed and He's just waiting for you to screw it up so that He can execute judgment, so that He can strike you down and put you in your place and squash you like the little bug that you are. You're so afraid of messing it up that you don't do anything. Some of you got relationships right now and you're so afraid of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing that you have become someone that you are not just to please another person. Some of you are so racked with the fear. The fear, man, it controls you. It, it literally governs you to a place where you become something that you were never created to be. Never ever created to be. Like when we're talking about fear in general terms and then we put specifics on it, the reason we put those specifics on it is because the Holy Spirit inspired the prophet to write these things down. He started with fear thou not. What would happen if God's people here, just in this place, said, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be afraid anymore because I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not going to be afraid to fail. How much do you learn from what you succeed at? Not a whole lot. You learn what you're good at. Anybody with a functioning brain can recognize what they're good at. But someone who can fail understands that, hey, this is an opportunity not just to learn, but to change and to grow. He said, he said I will help you. And that's another problem we have in the church. Our fear of failure makes us unwilling to ask for help. Because if I have to ask somebody for help, then that means that I'm weak. And if they know I'm weak, then that means they'll probably reject me and ultimately I'll be abandoned. See how that works. And all of that is an orchestrated plan of your enemy to get you to believe those things. The reality is, is we're all in the same boat. We all struggle with the same things. We all deal with all of these fears. Some of us have learned how to overcome these fears, and it has nothing to do with our ability or who we think we are, and it has everything to do with his ability and who he said he was. The reality is, is God forbid if we actually had that much power to mess us up. 
If we had that much power, that'd be bad. It, we really would. The, feel, the fear of failure is what keeps most Christians stationary and purposeless. Can I tell you something? God expects failure. As a leader here at this church, I expect failure. You know why? Because I fail. I fail. Just hit rewind on the last five years of New Grace history. We have swung and missed so many times. We have struck out and walked back to the dugout with the bat on our shoulder. And everybody said, them boys are stupid. They crazy. But you know what? We got over the fear of failure. I would rather fail 1,000 times to get to the one thing God wants than to stay stuck at something I'm good at and I can do on my own without God. I would rather get up and swing and miss and make a fool of myself. Failure is the true test of who and what you are because God uses failure to introduce you to new areas of growth. When you're faced with a failure, God gives you two options. Your way or my way. That's what failure does. You can do this your way. And what you're experiencing now, you can experience again. Or you can do it my way. Which is going to require more trust, more faith, more of you walking in the unknown, more of you dealing in the things that you don't understand. Your way or my way. The fear of, the fear of failure, especially when he says, I will help you. The fear of unworthiness. Hmm. How many of you feel like you don't deserve it? You're not good enough. Grace is the remedy for this fear because grace is unmerited favor. It does not make sense. It will never make sense to our human minds. We can study it. We can break it down. We can chew it up. But we'll never ever be able to really understand why God chose us. Why He sent His Son to die for us. It's just grace. There obviously doesn't really need to be much of an explanation for grace because everyone sitting in this room is evidence of grace. They chose to call this church New Grace because it was born out of a place of utter and complete failure. It was born out of a place of brokenness and pain and a belief that it would never happen again and God would never do it again. When God began to repair those things and restore and reconcile and put things back together, and the beautiful thing about that is when God does that, He always makes it better than what it was before. That's where it came from. And that's why when we tell people who we are and what we believe is really simple, we exist so people experience new life in Christ, regardless of where you're at in that walk with Christ. If you've been doing it for 60 years or 60 seconds, we believe that God created a place and He operates that through us as the body so that people experience new life in Christ. That is grace. Because so many people walk into this place and they walk into plenty of other churches and they're automatically hit with the unworthiness thing. I'm just not good enough. Correct. But Christ is. You are absolutely right. I'm not good enough either. But if I stay stuck in the fear of unworthiness, I will always not be good enough. When you believe you're not good enough, God holds fast to His promise. What is His promise? His promise is that when we put our faith in Christ, that we're redeemed. 
when we put our trust in his death, burial, and his resurrection, we are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. That our inheritance and our promises are eternal. So all of the things that happen in this world are temporary. They are temporary. And understand this, time is fleeting. It's like sand in an hourglass, constantly falling through. And you and I are on this planet for such a short period of time. Why in the world would we live our lives wrapped down with all of this fear? Think about it. Think about it for a second. If God did all of that to redeem us as His family, why would we ever feel like we're not good enough? Why would we ever struggle with unworthiness? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy slides in your DMs and he looks at your search history and he looks at all the stuff that you done did and he's real good about reminding you about it. He just shovels a big pile of crap up every day. Here you go. You remember this? You remember that? Turn that worship music off, bro. You don't need to be reading that Bible. You don't deserve it. You know how you combat that? You're absolutely right. Maybe I don't deserve it. But because of Him, because of Him, I deserve better. Because of what He did, I can do now. Because of who He is, it changed who I am. So you can take your message and you can come back tomorrow because I'm going to control, alt, delete this because I don't have to listen to it today. And the next time you feel rejected or abandoned or you feel like you're too weak and you're too weary, remember, all those things are lies. They are lies that are wrapped in a semblance of truth because those things attached to you outside of Christ are absolutely true and there's nothing you can do about it. But when you are in Christ, those things are not true. Because God doesn't see you in Christ. He sees His Son. When He looks at you, He sees it through the lens of His Son. When He looks at your work, He sees it through the lens of the finished work of His Son. When He sees you, He sees the blood of Christ. And that's all you need. That's all you will ever need. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you may face, whatever may come against you, it is that that sets you free. It is that can give you courage and bravery in the face of adversity. Those are the things that set you apart and make you different. It's not your ability. It's not your ability. It's not who I am. When I was writing this earlier this week, I got to thinking about that preacher that looked at me like I was short. Man, I'm six foot two. I ain't short. I ain't never been short. And he said, and I got to thinking about all the feelings that that still brings up inside of me. When I think about that, and let me tell you what happened. I got to thinking about this earlier this week. So you know what I did? I looked this dude up on social media. <laughs> Hold on. I know what y'all thinking. Now, I looked him up because I wanted to see where he's at. What's he doing now? What happened to him? Because, you know, a long, long time ago, he didn't realize it, but he created something in me that made me want to conform instead of be transformed. And I looked him up. And I had to employ one of my college students because I don't know how to do FBI work on social media. And they're like, you got to do this and go here. And I'm like, just do it for me. Here's the name. I'm like, well, he's married. He's got kids. Oh, wait, he got divorced. Looks like he was out of ministry for a while. Now he's here. 
Now he's, it looks like he's back in ministry and he's here at this place. Long story short, his story, based on that FBI research, is pretty close to my story, minus a few things. And guess where he's at doing ministry? He's at the place where I started. Okay? Sometimes you're going to encounter people who have conformed, but try to convince you that they're transformed. Don't ever allow them to change you. Don't ever allow them to intimidate you. Don't ever allow them to dictate who you are in Christ. Because that is proof that we are all the same. We're all on the same field. We're all playing the same game. It's called life. We all wrestle with this body of flesh and we're all warring against sin every day that we live. Take those five fears. Turn them around and make them what they actually are. They're opportunities for you to grow in your faith. There are opportunities for you to be able to go out in this world and be a light that shines in the darkness instead of someone who takes a bushel and puts it over the lampstand. Because that's what fear does. Fear limits you. It limits you. So I would ask you today, I'm ready, sir, if you're ready. I would ask you today, what's holding you back? What are you afraid of? When you really think about it, What absolutely scares the hell out of you? Not too long ago, I was afraid of doing this again. I've done this for a long time, but there's a moment in my story where I didn't do this. I completely turned it off and said, no, I don't want that. And I'll tell you why. Because I was afraid of what other people thought and what other people would say. And the first time that I got up and delivered the gospel after I started to overcome that fear, I realized something. I realized something. That my battle, my battle was never a battle of good and evil. It was a battle between truth and lies. That was the real battle. And every day that I get on this planet, I make it a point to accept truth and go to war with lies. And that literally means on a daily basis, whether I'm in my truck, sitting in my office, or in a meeting, that I have to call things out. And I don't always just stand up in the middle of the meeting and go, no, that's a lie! (laughs) Because my counterparts will be like, bro, we talking about having a covered dish. What do you mean? I'm talking about internally in the inner man and really learning how to let the Holy Spirit minister to me, how to change me, accept truth. You know what? Yeah, that that is a part of your story. That is who you were, but it's not who you are now. And it doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow. Isaiah gives us five fears. And those five fears control most people in this room. If not all five, at least one. So today I would ask you to come get free from that fear, accept victory, accept the truth, and let's make war with lies going forward. And let's change this community. Let's change ourselves. Let's change this community. Let's turn it upside down like they did in the first century. You can't do that if you skirt all the time. That boldness comes from Him. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.